the podcast that's opened up the world of classical music one beer at a time. And uh, we are at the Halo studio outside Portland, Maine. Uh, we are the Oats Brothers from the lovely town of Dwaynesburg, New York, originally. Well, we grew up in Gilderland. Grew up in Gilderland, but from, I just like saying Dwaynesburg. Uh, but we're here at the Halo studio uh, here in, outside Portland, Maine, with our special guest, uh, Norman Huynh, who is the assistant conductor of the Portland Symphony Orchestra. And the biggest question that we've gotten for most of this is... Uh, about this podcast is is what is it and what are we trying to do? What's the mission? What's the mission? Well, the whole point is basically growing up as classical musicians, my brother Matt being a violinist and, and me being a cellist and growing up in the classical world and being part of youth orchestras and attending orchestras. And lugging instruments around everywhere. Well, you had a violin. Lugging yeah, is, <laughs> and I had the cello. I was a target uh, for bullying. But you look at it. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'm gonna break it. I don't know. I would break it. <laughs> um, and you know, it's it's. There's always such a stigma. There's always such a stuffiness to classical music and listening to classical music and liking liking it. That's the first thing you know when we I told think, their friends. I think people are afraid of it for the most part. They because they don't know where to be. If someone had come into the world right now and had never heard rock and roll, and you said, "We're like a baby." But, you know, where do you begin? Do you start him with the Beatles? Do you start him with the Stones? Do you start him with Kiss? Do you start him with, you know, it's such you a... Don't it's, start him with Nickelback. It's it never start anywhere with Nickelback. <laughs> it's such a massive genre. Where do you begin? Where do you start? I think people are daunted by that. Yeah, and, and you know, one thing that's that's been interesting is just, you know, when I when I get excited about classical pieces that I listen to, I'm like, oh my gosh, like Mahler 3 is still one of my favorite pieces of all time. And when I tell other people about that, this kind of like a, you can just see the question marks above their head. The glazed look. The, the glazed glaze look, look yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh, or the smile and nod, sure, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the whole point of this is to just kind of just get rid of the stuffiness, get rid of that barrier of, of feeling almost excluded from it and, you know, doing it over a beer, Talking about it, yeah. Beers, beers important. Beers are to a the huge process. part, oh, especially especially for this podcast. Otherwise, it just be would just be Bach. Just, one. <laughs> just, <laughs> it just. Um, basically, we, we don't want people to be afraid of classical music. We want to uh, we we want to make it accessible, uh, answer questions, break it down, make it fun. Because it's a lot of times classical music musicians aren't any less expressive than any other musician but the audience feels like they have to be so we have to you know, we we have to allow people to feel like they 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 can they they can express emotion they can enjoy it they don't have to just sit in these seats and be mm -hmm. these prisoners it, to their you know their one, one thing i heard you know uh, chris Seely, who's from nickel creek and the punch brothers he said it once he was at the symphony listening and he just said the second violins just crushed this section and he went on like yes out loud and people shushed him and he's like, no, you should embrace this. When, like, you know, when you see, you know, someone nail a guitar solo or whatever it is, and any other rock band, like, you want to just, you want to get excited about yeah. it. You want to get gunned up about it. We're excluding a major guest in the room right now. We are. Norman, thank you for coming out with us today. Thanks. Glad yeah. to be here. It's a Friday night. Uh, Friday, night. Friday night, we're drinking. Well, it's Halloween. It's, it's Halloween weekend. It is Halloween weekend. Hallow's Halloween. Eve. Hallow's, Halloween. It's, all it's Hallow's, Hallow's Eve. Eve. All Hallow's Eve. Correct. Sorry. Norman, how did you, what was your first encounter with classical music? How did you uh, mix with it growing up? Tell us a, a bit. Well, i sort of not the traditional conductor where I started on violin or piano at the age of one and a half, you know. <laughs> so uh, I actually picked up the trombone in middle school 
and not just even, not even elementary school. Not even in elementary school. When I was 12 years old, uh, I sort of picked up my first instrument, was the trombone, and just had a knack for it. And it sort of just took off from there. I actually, surprisingly enough, um, I never really listened to Brahms, Beethoven, Mahler, any of those guys until I was in college. I just had no idea. Yeah, I, I was in the band tradition, and, and my high school was particularly sort of marching band heavy. Okay. So we, Would you do competitions and everything? We, we did Battle of the Bands. Okay. Yeah, so we, we were a show-style band where we... Where we, if you've seen Drumline, that's the kind of high school band I was in. We we danced on the field, we high stepped. Just Nick Cannon, and it's not missing much. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Exactly. I gotta. But but you would be, for example, halftime at a football game. That kind of show. Exactly. Yep. On the field. Okay. Okay. Yep. Exactly. During halftime. So that was sort of, that was sort of my my childhood and growing up. And I really didn't get into classical music until I started studying conducting in undergrad. And that's when I had my first exposure to Mozart and Brahms and Wait, and the, and the big guys. Was there a vivid memory from college, like that was like one of those first instances when you started to like listen to classical music and say, oh, "Yes, this is awesome." Yes, I I remember. I was a sophomore in college, sitting in my in my room. We a bunch of guys rented a house, and I had I just bought a pair of Bose headphones, like the noise cancellation, and I was on YouTube. And I ran across the finale of Mahler 2 with Simon Rattle conducting Birmingham. It was his last concert there after being there for decades. Oh, he's, Sir Simon Rattle looks like he belongs in Harry Potter. He, like, he, it, it, he, he looks like that. a wizard. He looks like exactly. A wizard. He does. He does. <laughs> he looks like a wizard. But it, I, I heard this finale, and this whole time in undergrad, I thought, I, I'm, I, was, I got a degree in music education, but this whole time I was like, you know, I'm going to be... I'm going to be a band director. I'm going to be the best band director, you know, ever to come out of Alabama. My band is going to be the best high school band in the country. Like, I had those sort of aspirations. And then I heard this piece, and I just thought, my gosh, I have to... This is what I want to conduct. This is the music that I want to be a part of. And so that's sort of how I caught the the orchestral music bug, was was in in my room listening to something on YouTube. Right yeah. on. And, and that's the thing, you know, stumbling across those things, you know, and I, I when I was in high school, I got to play Mahler 2 with my, with my youth. That's orchestra. awesome. And if you just don't know, it's, it's basically Mahler 2 is the, re, the, his second symphony is the resurrection. It's the story of this Titan who died in the first symphony. And uh, it's this whole, and it's, it's, the it's, best word is epic. Yeah. It's pretty much the most epic ending. One of the most epic endings in all in, of in the, the repertory. Yes. <laughs> in life. Yeah. Uh, but it's just being able to whether it's listening or experiencing it or, yep. or or whether it's on the stage or in the audience or just or through headphones it's just so yeah. cool i mean you when you go to the movies or you listen to soundtracks you know a lot of that was actually if not influenced by but like almost directly stolen from these previous composers yeah. who who that's true i mean john williams stole music all the time but you know he's he's he, he's, he's he's done a few good movies here and there well um, not give too much credit. Okay, not too much. <laughs> um, and especially, well, that's the great thing about the, the age we live in. It has never been easier to like access this music, to 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 find exactly. and stumble across and share yep. it. And that's the biggest thing: is not just find it, but then share it with the people we know. Yeah. Well, especially uh, after we talk about some of the pieces tonight, is that the listeners can go and 
listen to different recording. I mean, thousands of different recordings on Spotify, yeah. YouTube, and and hear listen for what we're talking about. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, and again, and just like you know, when you hear bands different performances of songs, currently you find versions you like. Well, same with with classical pieces. You no, know, every composer, every well, not every conductor. Um, an orchestra plays it differently, and, and exactly. there is that that individualistic side to it, which mm -hmm. is so so unique. And talk about the pieces we're going to play tonight. It is Halloween, it's so Halloween. all Halloween, all, all Halloween. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, if, if if you're listening to this right now, hopefully you've got a, a beer in hand and you're already starting to kind of pull your last minute costume together. Um, we 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 picked out the songs we think are the the songs. Oh my God! Wow! I'm in. A, I wow. feel so okay. embarrassed right now. Do you, we can. Do you feel? We can. I feel we like, can. We can. Yeah. You can start it. We no. picked up. No, 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 we we no, have to. No, no. We're we, yeah, we can't edit this out. I feel like we should. Bit. We need a bleep <laughs> button. So I have to explain that I I am surrounded by two very talented musicians and I have not had the chance to to really keep up my musicianship like these two have so i'm, I'm we, have, we have degrees i, I mean <laughs> in I, music that's, i have a tattoo that's, that's, that's about come all on kevin you um, can't be stuffy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, what what they're freaking out about is that for for classical for for music written by a classical composer we usually say that piece of music or this piece or this that piece so we've picked a piece for the occasion for tonight so yeah We've picked the scariest pieces, not just any piece. We have picked the scariest pieces that that um, that have been associated with with Halloween and All Hallows Eve. And um, the, this first one, for just the, a brief history on Halloween. Uh, although trick or treating is a primarily American tradition up until the last few years, um, the idea of All Hallows Eve has has lasted for hundreds of years. And uh, in continental Europe, you've, you've got um, a tradition called the Danse Macabre, which was this belief that on All Hallows' Eve, um, uh, Norman, correct me if I'm wrong, the death would come out, yep. play a song, everyone would come out of the grave and give a bit of a boogie. Do you want to talk a bit yeah. more? Yeah, so the, the piece by Saint-Saëns, um, did I say that right? There will be some French people listening. Well, yeah, you lived in France, so is it There will be some French. Camille's just Camille. Camille's Camille. Anyways, so the piece opens up with a harp, and the harp plays 12 strokes. Bing, bing, 12 times to signify the clock striking 12 a.m., you know, 12 o'clock midnight. And and then later throughout the, about three or four seconds later, you hear the the concert master will bust out this solo. It's it's in tritones. And, and basically that's death, summoning the skeletons and the ghouls to come out of the grave. And um, you, you sort of go along through the piece. They're doing this dance. It's in a waltz. So it's one, two, three, one, two, three, the whole time. And... Um, at the very end, sort of right after the climax, uh, an oboe plays, and it signifies the rooster. Bum, ba bum, bum, bum. And all of a sudden, the ghouls sort of go back down. The death plays his or her, you know, yeah, could, could his be, or her uh, last little snippet of, of, of what they played earlier, and, and it just, the piece sort of dies away, and, and we're back asleep until next year.
So it's a long time to sleep. It's a, and it's a good, it's a good year. It's like a nice hibernation. Yeah. You're going back to something you said, uh, you know, the, the term tritone, which I actually love because actually the other term for it is, which is very applicable, is the devil's tone. Exactly. Um, and it was very, so a tritone. It, I never did music, that. Yeah, there's a fun fact. Or, or the devil's interval. Or the devil's Ooh, interval. So back, yeah. back in the day, a long time ago, and when music was mainly in chant, form Gregorian chant that that sort of tritone which is an augmented fourth or diminished fifth we don't have to get too fancy but they called it the devil's right. interval because and if, if you used it you, it was it's you know kind of reflected that okay well this is you know against our, our all our beliefs and everything and it was just it was not allowed to be used yeah there we go and your day's a school day yeah and you'll hear it on on this recording right the first thing from the solo violin it's mm-hmm. the first first thing they play um, but the, the what's really great that the, what this composer does is that he paints the the piece so well. So I mean, you can listen to basically all of the, the we call it musical painting, and, and this is called a tone poem. So it's a um, but he he paints the different scenes and characters in the music. So you have death as the violinist, you have the harp striking the clock, being the clock, the oboe is the rooster. But in the middle, when when during the waltzy section, the xylophone comes in and it has that with hard mallets. And it signifies skeletons, Skeleton sort of bones. like bones yeah, clinking yeah, together. So it's it's a really cool. It really paints that picture. And yeah. It's, you know, especially if you definitely want to use it, you know, listen to it, be creative, and just let your let your imaginations go. Exactly. And it it matches up exactly what you think is gonna you know mm-hmm. happen. So uh, yeah, take a listen to uh, Camille Sassons. Before, oh, before should, we do, we should we crack another beer before we, we, should, we put yes. the music on. And you at home should do the exact same thing. We are just for the record, we're drinking some shipyard this evening. We've got uh, two beers. We've got the famous shipyard pumpkin head, and then uh, little little horror of hops. No, you have to make sure you add the O R. Horror, yeah, horror yeah, of hops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, horror. it sounds like a whole different beer. Yeah, very true. Um, <laughs> so, but, <laughs> so crack open a beer and, and uh, take a listen to Camille Sasson's Dance Macabre.
it's basically the definition of um, it's it is the definition of Halloween as far as any classical piece. Well, especially with the the this final just crescendo at the height of the piece. If your nether regions aren't tingling a little bit when that comes around, then you got to go see a doctor because it brings all it brings all those melodies into wanted. It's, it's it really kind of yeah. culminates and. Well, what I, I find interesting is <clears throat> what I think the composer did really well is that if you w- remember the beginning of the piece, it sort of has this energy building and building and building, and it starts quick. I mean, people are waking up, and it's very energetic. And if you keep listening, the end, once you hear the rooster, and things just sort of slow down. The, the, the soloist is playing slower, and it just depicts so perfectly death going back to where he or she came from and sort of ending that that dance and night to and waiting till next year. So it's 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 cool. You know, and one one thing we've thought and we we want your input on this, you know, we, we think as the Oates brothers that Michael Jackson's thriller may have stolen some ideas from this piece around well, it, probably it, it, what, it, 100, it, it, 100 and 109 years pre- so previous. Uh, this was written in 70, 1874, is that right? And, uh, right. and th- the album Thriller was released in 82, which is almost the best year ever. Uh, 1983 is clearly, clearly the best. Uh, well, Toto wrote well, Africa. For Taylor Swift, it was 1989, but that's, yeah, that's it's, her. <laughs> it's a good album. It's a great album. It's great. Have you heard Ryan Adams' version of I it? I have. Oh, it's awesome. So good. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so... <laughs> You mean, have you heard Ryan Adams mansplaining Taylor Swift? <laughs> it's an article about that. There's a whole article based around that? <laughs> On mansplaining, uh, yeah. I am so lost right now. It's amazing. <laughs> well, what you're getting well, back into this. This is for point. another podcast. This is a whole other oh, podcast. We should, we'll, we'll, we'll do write this down. We'll this compare is, yeah. you know, Taylor Swift and Ryan Adams on a whole separate yeah. podcast. So Taylor, uh, or not Taylor, <laughs> Michael Jackson, thriller. Thriller. Well, he, I mean, he, he stole the idea, didn't he? You know, a uh, bunch of people... Climb out of the graves, do a bit of a boogie, win several Grammys, That's and then go true. back and yeah. uh, go back. That's to the true. It's a, it's a good concept to it, steal. I it's think. a complete ripoff. Yeah. Man. I mean, you know, we see a lot of things from the French, but you know, he really went went all out with this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, we we were going through photos earlier of our Halloween's growing up. We we, we still have Thriller on video, actually. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm, from from um, it must have been '84. Dad recorded it. We had it on the on the old the VHS. VHS yeah. 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 But what do you remember uh, Halloween's growing up? Any any notable costumes? Any notable memories? Oh man, I don't. One year, I think I, for f- my freshman year of high school, I was Bruce Lee. <laughs> I mean, I, at that point, I was. Did you have the out. full one piece suit? I had. Um, I had a black, a, like a black wife beater. Okay. And some black sort of tighter pants with these like black toms kind of shoes okay and uh yeah that's and how old were you and long hair I was, like 14 okay <laughs> was it any particular movie you're going after like no Dragon or, no uh, just uh you know i figured well i'm i'm asian you know <laughs> i could kind of pull it off so right on that's <laughs> i like that that's your first reason yeah. <laughs> but you know one year i was superman and and one year, I think I was a vampire. You know, who's not a vampire? One year, you do have the Superman hat. We should, we should approach this. We, now, yeah. You are a conductor, and yet you conductors are normally known for having a, uh, you know, pretty wild hair. You you have fairly tame. Very it's kind of tame. It's a little tamer than than 
my younger days. Yes, yeah, so you, mean, you, you had the a lot. You had the, the yeah. well. People say you know you had Justin Bieber's haircut, but I no. like to say Justin Bieber had no. my haircut because he's like yeah. what nine years old or something. Yeah, he's yeah. younger than me, yeah. so <laughs> I claim. I and he's claim Canadian, long. exactly. Yeah, so, so. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, <laughs> what else was I don't you know I don't if I think of anything I'll, I'll bring it up. We had I don't, what, what did you guys? What, any we just pulled costumes? up a. We just posted a photo on. on yeah, if you check out on the on, on the Instagram and, and on the Instagram on the Instagram. What are you well, like? Twenty nine years old. Tw- yeah, or years younger. <laughs> no, but uh, there's a photo of us. I think I was four, maybe, <laughs> and four, and I was a. You were I a lone was, ranger. I would. I was a very very pudgy lone ranger. It but, was. And for most of the people born after 1995, unless you've seen that terrible movie with Johnny, oh, with Johnny Depp, Depp, you don't yeah. know what uh, the Lone Ranger is. Never seen it. Oh, no, you don't watch the don't watch that movie. It's, it's, you can I watch mean, the original show. Yeah, at the some original. Point. I'm not planning on it. But okay, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, you're, you're busy that day. Okay. Yeah, and I was a World War II aircraft with your little con- not not constructs, but they were like I don't remember the, the yellow. From... Take a look, and we if, if you know what the thing. those those toys are that Matt's plane yeah, is it, made out of, please let us know because we have no idea. What I will buy you a beer if anyone can send me. Go look on the Facebook page or the I said the Instagram. On the Instagram, go look on Instagram. Look at the photo if. Someone can tell me what those the company that's, that makes that those makes plastic. those bits that I have on my quote unquote airplane. He will I fly will, to where you live and I buy, buy you a you beer. A beer. <laughs> um, we we always what do we? Well, we always. I we, did Ted Kaczynski one year. I did the Unabomber, and one woman. I remember a mom looking at me and saying. That's not very funny, and I felt really guilty. I thought it was because really, it was when the sketch was out where he had like the gray hood uh-huh. and the sunglasses on, and I drew a beard on with mom's eyes. This is high school for you, right? Yeah, well, you know, you Middle. can you can trick or treat until. Well, oh, we where we grew up, we grew up on a farm, and you know, we couldn't trick or treat on a road because we barely had neighbors. <laughs> So we would drive to our friends' neighborhoods and like the cul-de-sacs, and, yeah. and and you know we always went to the ones that I think the one outside Altamont um, where the Night Souls lived, and like you know are and we, we re- are we really referencing the outskirts of Altamont on oh it's happening. What will hopefully be an and international podcast. Yes, well, we're going to bring Altamont to life, uh, <laughs> and like basically we, we knew the houses that would always have the good candy. Um, but I can't remember any of the costumes I did. I just know that last year, um, you know, I didn't stretch too far. I was John Oates of Hall and Oates. Um, What's that? Hall and Oates, the band. Oh, Man Eater. No. no. Oh, um, he's a man eater. Yeah, yeah. Or um, wow, we're fighting right da- now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost said Danger Zone. That's Kenny Logan. That's My Kenny. God. I'm just. I know so- I know songs. I just don't know who sang them. Rich girl. Rich girl. Rich girl. Yeah. She's if a rich girl. girl oh. And we're going too far. Oh, I'm thinking you know. Gwen Stefani. Oh, if yeah. I watch a rich girl. No, 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 <laughs> no. no. Uh, is that... If, <laughs> no, no. We're no so, just, you're, just, we, no. This is for a different are, podcast. We, we are children. This is why our... I do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I haven't done a lot of good Halloween costumes overall. I've been pretty lame. Um, well, that seems like a good point to segue into potentially what is the next piece on there. Are you saying it's lamer than the last piece? Because that's not nice. <laughs> Just because his last name, his first name was Modest. All right, ra- okay, raise your hands if you've seen Fantasia. Okay, for all of you listening, we've all raised our hands. Um, yes, yeah, so um, actually, you know that Walt Disney's Fantasia was 1941 when uh, it was drawn? You told me that something oh, way wow. over. I had no idea it, it was, was that early. I don't know. Yeah, it was pretty early. Um, but, uh, Basically, one of the, one of the most famous scenes in in that. If you don't know it, go look it up on YouTube or or go watch Fantasia because 
it's awesome. Um, it's it's uh, all the skeletons are flying, all the ghosts are flying through the air, and the giant demon in, in the scene. But the piece you're hearing in the background, it's pretty scary. It's it's pretty scary, especially yeah. as a kid. Yep. And it's pretty um, terrifying. Um, it's dark. Uh, it is uh, Mazorsky's uh, Night on Bald Mountain. But what's actually you know interesting about it, so this guy named Modest Mazorsky, he was a Russian composer. Um, he, uh, you know, he wrote this piece back in 18, finished it 1867. So we're looking at what, a hundred and just shy of 150 years ago. I never went to university. I don't. Yeah. You had to carry the four for math yeah, and then it, yeah. you got it. Okay. Um, it's addition's a rough thing. Mm. Uh, but he, you know, he wrote this piece, I think originally for, was it, I forgot it was originally for, for, for piano. For piano. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it's called Night on Bald Mountain. And the version that we've heard, whether it's Fantasia or you hear orchestras playing it quite or all the time. Commercial. Commercial all the oh, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, the version we heard is by also by another uh, Russian, Russian co- composer named uh, Rimsky Korsakov. Um, and basically this piece that, that Mazorsky wrote never got, it would, his original version was never played live for 101 years. So 1968 was the first year that his original composition was ever premiered publicly. We could only hope that Justin Bieber's songs have to yeah. make that long. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we, or there's that much time. Well, he might be dead at that point, I guess. But... Raro. <laughs> uh, the awkward, awkward. side. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's this piece, and again, it's one of those pieces that... Um, has that oh, it paints that picture it's also a yep. tone poem yep and and i think it's it's good for the the listeners to realize during this time period the reason why uh we're talking a lot about you're, you're hearing the word toned poem is because in the middle of the 19th century saint sounds was it's the same thing you know they were writing uh the new fab for composers was to write tone poems. And so that's why if you if you go back in this era of classical music, you see a lot of different tone poems and and different stories that are sort of being, you know, influenced with music. You know, music is sort of starting to have stories for the background. And, and also and also have its I guess not just being music but you know Starting to have its impact on culture, would you say like a little bit? I mean, or yeah, on the yeah, society yeah. around exactly. it, exactly. You know, exactly. So, like, we you know we're talking about pieces that are a relative or creating these these pictures through tone poems, and you know, we're talking about Halloween, uh, and you know, you think think now we mentioned thriller. You know, I'm I'm looking at the little hops of uh, sorry, little horror of hops logo, um, and and it it looks like you know similar. It looks it's a nice you know check it out online on on, on our our website baktabak.com. You can see. Um, you know, you see how it's a mixture of, of hops, but also f- looks like the cover of the playbill for uh, Little House of Horrors. Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors, sorry. Yeah. Which is the same letter as hops. Oh my gosh. And rearranged. I don't mean to sound I condescending. Just noticed oh, that, I did that, not. That's actually. Oh, that means talking brilliant. down. Brilliant. <laughs> I don't mean brilliant. I don't because like, that means talking down. <laughs> uh, that's actually that's really that's smart. That's really smart. Didn't think about that. But you Go know, Shipyard. For go Shipyard of for creative thinking. Their marketing department is crushing it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're looking at it and there's these certain, you know, society-based or, or cultural community-based, um, you know, you know, ideas and topics that we relate to Halloween. Like you mentioned trick-or-treating and things like that and thriller and, and horror movies and all these things. Um, 
So I think, you know, Night in Bald Mountain really paints that picture just so well. Because especially as we're talking about Halloween, um, you know, we have the, there are two, two of their beers. One of them is the, one of the best sellers. Um, I'd, I'd say, you know, almost a flagship. It's a seasonal flagship for them, and that's as Pumpkinhead. Yeah, well, it's been brewed. You know, the shipyard first started brewing in 94. The Pumpkinhead was first on tap in 96 and then bottled in several years after that. I forget how But um and and Pumpkinhead, if, if you know, go look at the label. It is you know, it's an homage to the, the headless horseman who uh, is 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 a legend that came from a part of the world where Kevin and I grew up in upstate New York in yeah. the Sleepy Hollow. Um, That'll be a nice opera. I wonder that, if you think you could written yeah. an opera or a Should, tone poem on, oh, to- oh. on Sleepy <laughs> right Hollow. Back. Let's okay, bring I'll him be, back. Let's bring right. back the tone poem. We By can, the way, it's patented, so. I came up with the idea. Okay. Nobody goes. Do we steal get it. creative rights? And of course, we get the hashtag. Hashtag tone poem. Hashtag tone poem. Sorry, that was really random. That's Continue. all right. <laughs> 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 but we, so, uh, um, if you haven't had these beers, go out and give them a go. Especially in the next, you got to get Pumpkinhead really soon. Yeah, it's, it's almost out of season. Next couple, in fact, in that week or two. Yeah, yeah both it's of these stop being yeah. brewed in November. So um, this, this is you know, these yeah. are seasonal layouts. Yeah, go for those them. for those who don't, Shipyard is is a. Uh, a Port. Portland Maine-based brewery, um, but they you were you were just in England and you found it in a in a pub yeah, in I England. Was, right? I was in a in a pub in in uh, this small town called Limington, which is nicknamed Heaven's Waiting Room because there's um, like <laughs> Florida. Basically, <laughs> it is the it's the Florida of Kevin's about to spit. Um, I don't want to waste it out of his nose. Um, it's the you know it's it's there's a lot of lovely retirees um, and. <laughs> We're we're in a pub. That's a great I, band name, the Lovely Retirees. Well, you have copyright on it now. Right <laughs> um, I'm at this pub and I look at the line of pulls, and here's Shipyards Export Ale, which is the, you know their their flagship ale, and uh, you know half a world away in a small town, um, it, it, they've gotten big in, in yeah, twenty sh- years now. Yeah. Shipyard Shipyard, I think, is one of the larger breweries yeah. that come out of the Northeast, especially, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 one of the standards to have on tap. Of course, absolutely. Um, but it's just, a, and we have, so we have, um, pumpkin head and we actually have, this is the first time I've, I've seen this year with, with the little horror of hops. It's definitely a very, very hoppy IPA. Actually, what are we looking at? 5.9%. Not too shabby. Yeah. If you've only got three cups of coffee on your stomach, like I have, don't necessarily jump right into it. Cause you start to feel it a little bit. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's good. It's the American it's really way. good. Um, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, going back to our our second feature piece, um, it's originally Mazorski's um, uh, Night on Bald Mountain, but this is the the version you're going to hear is what Rimsky Korsakov, another Russian composer, did and or uh, did his version yeah. of Mazorski's piece. Well, <clears throat> I, I do want to explain just quickly to our listeners. Because we're we're hearing Modest Mazorsky, who's the composer, and then we're hearing Rimsky Korsakov, who's another composer. So basically, Rimsky Korsakov did something called a transcription of the original piano work that Mazorsky wrote. Mm. And basically, a transcription is if you look at the score, which is the sheet of paper that music is written on. Um, so Rimsky Korsakov looked at this piano score. And he basically took notes and he assigned it to different instruments in the orchestra. And so we call that an orchestral transcription. And this is basically what Korsakov did. And he's he's known for doing this with a lot of uh, 
pieces, especially by uh, Mussorgsky. But that's that's sort of what Kevin is is talking about by you know Mussorgsky and Korsakov. We're, we're getting pretty Russian, but you know, so just just keep in mind that originally the piece is for piano by Mussorgsky, Modest Mussorgsky, but Rimsky Korsakov took the time to transcribe right. it for full, or- full, full orchestra. orchestra. Yeah, exactly. Because there's not a lot to do in Russia, really, in the winter. No. The, yeah. So you have a lot of time. You have a lot of time to transcribe. Yeah. Well, so we will, we'll, coming at you now is yeah. Night on Bald Mountain. Take a listen. Thank you. 
So we're back. I'm full of ideas. And that was. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep on thinking. So we're so we're Bach. We're Bach. We're back. We're Bach. <laughs> we're Bach. How did we miss out on the Bachtoberfest? Yeah, we missed out on the an advertisement about Bachtoberfest. I mean, ah, yeah. You did that down yeah, in Charlotte, okay. right? Yeah. Yep. It was a concert all... It was great. They they call it Bachtoberfest, and it was actually Bachtoberfest Part 3 because they've had so much success well with that theme. And I wonder why. <laughs> it was great. It, we the, they, the ticket comes with a beer, a local... This is in beer. North Carolina, right? This is in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, and you can bring the beer into the concert hall. So as I was programming, I was like, oh, if people are going to have beer... Why don't we, you know, come up with a drinking game? And so we did uh, Mozart's Marriage of Figaro, and I set it up. I did a couple of excerpts from the orchestra. I was like, okay, listen for this part, because once this section comes in, you'll know to get ready to drink your beer. And then once the forte comes in for the first time, that's when you take your drink. And nice. and so we we set it up, and then uh, and. Disguisingly, I'm teaching the audience to actively listen to classical music. Yeah, so that's so that's the you're best. using alcohol as, as an educational tool. Exactly, exactly. Nice. And and Amazing. we got the we got the musicians uh, because it's a smaller orchestra than the sort of the bigger pieces that we we're playing. We got the musicians who weren't playing on that piece to stand up and sort of toast bef- right at that moment Jeez. to drink oh, with cool. the audience. So everyone was sort of having a fun time and and laughing and. Drinking, so it was. That's genius. It was great. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And I got I I I love you know I'm not a big Mozart fan, but Marriage of Figaro as a string player is so much freaking fun. Yeah, yeah. You get, but you get all these runs, and then, even as a cello player, we don't ever get runs of Mozart. Mozart, we just get boring parts. But you know, it's uh, it's it's such a that's such a great idea to to get people you know you know excited and, and engaged and, and interactive and that that's a big thing you know yeah and with, with classical music you know it's making it interactive yeah there was and you know i i think probably the biggest barrier in classical music for me is is what we were talking about earlier is that is that most people just don't know how to listen to it and yeah. once you yeah. once you kind of have an idea of what to listen for how to listen to a movement of a symphony it becomes a lot clearer, you know. So we did the excerpts and we prepared them to listen to "Take a Drink," and everybody knew exactly where to drink, and they're actively listening for the Brahms, the last movement at the end of the concert. I did some excerpts, and it's like, look, you're going to hear this theme, you know, at the start of every section. So listen for it. Yeah, yeah. And and at the end of the concert, you know, I had a lot of feedback from audience, from people our age that was like, wow, you know, nobody's ever just laid it out like that just to say, here's what you do, you know, here's how you listen to music. And she 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 was like, that really made a big difference for me. I I loved sort of that game of of hearing hearing the music and and latching on to that that musical element and, yeah, and yeah. trying to tie it all together. Well, that's a great idea. And one thing you think about with like, you know, contemporary music quote unquote to, to classical is that like, you know, Think pop rock. We have our we have our choruses. We have our verses. We know that structure, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're talking about these, these musical elements that we hear that are either repeated 
or our major elements in these pieces. Yeah. That those are the same idea. It's just the same thing. It's the yep. same concept. It's the exact but it's just same how we thing. understand it. And yep. people in the day knew that that was the format. They knew that this was the exactly. of a concerto. They knew there were three movements. They knew that there was right. a cadenza. They knew exactly. They knew that it, this was ABA, or they knew that this is a theme in variations. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah, it's the exact same thing as today. So, so going on, like you know, we're, we we listened, we had these two two recordings. We listened to of these of these Halloween themed classical pieces. You know, we're we're talking about how to you know, almost I guess in the terms like modernize listening to classical music. How do we make it cool? How to make it cool? Um, where do you see like you know you, you you've been so backing up a little bit about your background. You know, you were in Baltimore pri- mm-hmm. prior to being in Portland. You were you started the thing there called the Occasional Symphony. Do yep. you want to talk about that or yeah, you, you so- co-founded or. I, my colleague and I co-founded uh, the Occasional Symphony, and basically the whole idea of the Occasional Symphony is to take classical music, or we like to say orchestral music, take yeah. orchestral music, and um, because to take it to where people actually congregate. So not asking people to come to a concert hall to hear us, but where can we go where people are already there mm-hmm. and just boom expose people and so we did we and and another element was to celebrate a holiday so celebrate a holiday by presenting an, an imaginary concert in a distinctive venue in baltimore that was our mission and so for example we celebrated dr seuss's birthday by presenting all music that was influenced by dr seuss in a children's museum awesome. we for halloween which was our inaugural concert we took a silent film the cabinet of Doc, cabinet of dr caligari created a soundtrack to it and performed it in a sort of half-burned church that got turned into a performance space, and they just so happened to have a huge white screen in the background. When you, when oh, you say created a, a program, was it originally composed music, or was it like you're kind of com- almost so compiling we, we got we got two composers to pick a couple of scenes, mm-hmm. and so we premiered a couple of new oh, works wow. right. and we also took some uh music from the standard repertoire like tchaikovsky strauss beethoven and we thought hmm what is what emotion do we think we watched it in complete silence what music do we think could really bring out the emotion of this this scene or this moment in the movie and we listened to man a ton of different pieces because you know music if you listen if you watch a scary scene you know in a scary movie it's not if you put music. if it's nothing without music it's if you nothing. put something silly next to that scene it just makes it look a little silly so we we were sort of playing you know what what do we want the audience to think about during the scene and right, and right. sort of where does it play into the entire movie so we did that and it, it it's all of the Halloween concerts have been sold out. In fact, they're they're doing one tomorrow. So if you're in the Baltimore area, check out the Occasional Symphony. There we go. And it's 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 an organization that's still going, and we're still you know commissioning pieces by local composers and and using the standard repertoire to to further the mission. That's awesome. It's a great idea. And Norman actually brought up a great point that we've talked about many times over the last year: um, the idea of the the, the term classical music. Um, can be really um, 
what's the word uh, narrow, but and, and it really is orchestral music. Or chamber music. Or chamber music. Or, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, and it can, it can serve a variety of, of, of facets. You know, it can it can be, you know, whether whether it's opera, whether it's orchestras, whether it's, you know, uh, you know wh- wherever we're looking at, especially orchestral works that are uh, ma- major orchestralists or string quartets uh, in the past, you know, that stuff still happens. That music is still happening now. And, cla- and, and classical still- music would be something that was composed in ancient Greece before the dawn of time. It's, it's so it's such a broad yeah, spectrum of, exactly. of stuff that it, that yeah. um, we, you know. We, I think the whole idea here is we're trying to break down the genre and break down everything that that pigeonholes it. And, exactly. And, and here we, you know, by kind of giving it a bit more of a an open door, we can let people in and and. and Exactly. Well, because the the word classical music sort of has this, you know, the stigma, the stigma yeah, that's attached yeah, yeah. to it, and so I like to use the term orchestral music, chamber music, opera. I think you know. I think it definitely it definitely um, can clarify a lot more for people exactly. too. Exactly. And I think people are. It's it's. Um, I think there's. Here we go. First episode. We have to come. We have to make it a, an admission to all you people out there listening. There is, there is classical music that sucks. Oh, there's a lot of it. Yeah. there's a lot yeah. of it. Just like there are musicians like Justin Bieber today that suck. There <laughs> are. It depends on who you talk. However, about. <laughs> one of his new uh, his new tune "Sorry" is not. We're not, not going to give him no, any. Okay. No, we're not going. We're not going to go there. We're going to bleep oh, that out. Um, you know, we we have to. It's it's just like art. You know, most people in in a museum are afraid to give critique to any piece of art because. Um, you know, you don't want to be perceived as a, a philistine or someone who's who's uneducated. So people always will say, "Oh, yes, I see what the artist was going for," and 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 it, it does take a you know take some balls to say, "Yeah, this is crap." Um, so there's this. I think people are afraid to say, "No, I, I really don't like this piece," um, but that's okay if you don't if you don't like a bit of classic music that's great but there but there is one there's one piece especially we will never even we will never even touch that's true we piece. swear to right now on Bach to Bach we swear to all of you listening that we will especially, never especially especially you a, we will never ever play Paco Bell's Canon on this yeah on this never, piece. no it will never happen <laughs> no um we make that. If you don't know what that is, uh, uh, at least five of your friends have walked down the aisle to it at some point. Or their bridesmaids did. Either way, someone was married to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It, it, it's that piece. Uh, we <laughs> um, will never play. Anyway, uh, but but going on. So you know, we we've talked about you know occasional symphony in the past. You're you're currently a conductor of Portland Symphony Orchestra here mm-hmm. in Portland, Maine. And you know what you I want you to talk a little bit about um, as we're trying to open up classical music or sorry orchestral music. To to the younger generations, um, you started a, a great event through the Portland Symphony called Symphony and Spirits. Do you want to talk a little bit about sure. that? Sure. So Symphony and Spirits is is an event, or we like to call it an experience for people under the age of forty. And my colleague over twenty one too. Which over twenty one, you have to be over twenty one. But my my colleague uh, Lindsay Stanley, I have to give that shout yes, out. and we, I we miss her very much here in Portland. <laughs> we we thought of this idea and basically the I'm I'm a huge believer that orchestral music is for everyone and everyone can relate to this kind of music but you need some sort of marketing hook to grab them in and some sort of accessible price to get them at least through the door and 
we've done that with uh, Symphony and Spirits. It's 20 bucks for a ticket, which includes a PSO ticket and a drink voucher at the Hunt and Alpine Club. And when, when's the next one coming up? The next one is November 10th. And, and it's Tuesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yep, it's a it's a happy hour at the Hunt and Alpine Club. And usually Andrew Volk, the, the bartender there, he he looks at our program and then he makes a custom cocktail for uh, our our audience to to sort of drink. So the whole evening sort of ties together in that. And it's and it's a great way for especially, you know, being being someone who's attended all the events so far it's there's so many people i don't know and you know being an active part of the portland music community it's not knowing a lot of the people is really awesome because you're seeing mm-hmm. people come to the symphony who for a lot of them it's their first time yep. yeah. and once they show and i've talked to a lot afterwards and once they show up to the symphony and actually experience it and have some just simple background nothing in depth you know mm-hmm. you don't need to give them the whole you know what's the true meaning of this piece what happens right. in the third movement no once you give them that basic, they're hooked. Yeah, and exactly. It's, it's really cool. And plus, you have a, with a cocktail hour, either before or after, you know, it, it gives them talking points to, to meet each Time other. To and, discuss. And they're, they're sharing yeah. sharing a moment, sharing yeah. an experience together. We and, even have the program here from the last one you did. And there's, there's, a, there's a great, the, the great insert you guys put in talking about um, just the, the, the layout of a symphony. When do you clap? When do yep. you not? Just the basic The basic stuff. And then on the back, if you turn it around, you have these... Uh, listening points so for each piece or movement what to listen for that way you know i think active listening is is a big part i mean you can sit back and just listen to orchestral music or classical music but for me if i'm just sitting back and i'm listening yes a lot of it is is great and beautiful but if it's 45 minutes long I'll admit, I'll get it bored if I don't know what to listen for. If yeah, I'm just, yeah, same. just kind of sitting there and coasting. sort of coasting. But if you if you give people a point to listen for, just like with the Bachtoberfest concert, to actively listen for something, right. it becomes, that's the biggest barrier that is broken down for people our age. And we're starting to see uh, a, a point in our social media, people sharing this event People coming with their friends and getting excited about going to going to see the orchestra or going to hear the orchestra and, and the surveys that we've sent out, a hundred percent of the people who've gone to the Symphony and Sp- Spirits event have said they'll they would love to do it again, yeah, which is which brilliant. is great. And we've yeah. seen that we've we've seen the turnout go more and more, and then we have if uh, Portland Symphony has. Three more this season, including including the one on November tenth. Correct. Um, right. So the next one, if you do, are looking, if you were in the, the you know the main area or uh, in Portland, you want to attend the Symphony of Spirits event. That's on Tuesday, November tenth. The cocktail hour at Portland Hunt Alpine Club is from five thirty to seven. Prior to the concert, concert mm-hmm. starts at seven thirty, I believe. Yep. Yep. And um, it's a, it's an incredible program um, to follow. Uh, but tickets can be found for that um, at twenty bucks total for your twenty bucks for, for your whole cocktail. Evening. <laughs> and your, tickets, that, your ticket to the symphony alone is normally more than that alone. Exactly. You get exactly. a cocktail at, uh, at Portland Hunt Alpine Club after, uh, beforehand. Which you haven't been to Hunt Alpine. They make they make spectacular, amazing, spectacular drink cocktail. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the, as, it's incredible. But check it out. At, you can go to portlandsymphony.org to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and more importantly, if if you're not in Portland and you're listening to this, you know, you've got the internet at your fingertips. Go check out what's going on around you locally. Go go find your yeah, local find orchestra. Find your closest closest orchestra. You know, we're not reinventing the wheel here. There are other programs like this around the world. You know, check it out. Find out what's going on. There's 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 orchestras all over the country, all over the world are trying different ways to get people into the seats. And that's the big thing we're trying to do is get get bodies in the seats, get people listening. So, you know, spend five minutes, check out, you know, what what music is being played closest to you and and, and just make, there make there is leap. there's nothing like honestly, even though there's there there will be some, you know, in orchestras and symphony orchestras, there will concerts, there will be some some lulls when you listen. But overall there's nothing like seeing a symphony orchestra live. It's just there's something about that experience yeah. mm-hmm. when you have you know sometimes upwards to you know 80 to 100 to 120 plus people on stage performing together yeah. we just watched portland symphony do uh barely with there are like over 230, over 230 people, people on, stage. on stage between the chorus yeah, the right. organ the orchestra and it's yeah. just this wall of sound that you would never get listening to any set of speakers that is the best yeah. phrase is wall of sound people have this idea that classical music is is this tame kind of quiet affair and it it is a rock concert. It is it is a wall of sound that's coming at you. And and unless you've been in the in the situation, uh, anyone who has been there, who has been in a concert hall, knows exactly what we're talking about. Um, uh, it is a wall of sound yeah. that you just feel. Just it, just just like it, uh, you know, some subwoofer is thrown at you from any rock concert. It's, yeah. it's the exact same experience. It becomes a a three D experience oh, rather 100%. than a two D. You know, through that's headphones. I mean, there's that. no. There are no sound. There's no sound system that can replicate a live concert experience. Yeah, and, but and if you are listening to any piece, uh, you know today, a day, uh, you know, whenever, any, just turn the volume up. Don't be, you know if you listen to a symphony or even a, a little kind of Bach partita, just ramp the volume up, and 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 you'll find a whole different way of listening to this stuff. So before we before we wrap up, uh, we we. Uh, Norman, well, thank you again for being here. But yeah, we, anytime, we have, anytime. We've got a speed round of questions for you. Uh oh. This to, is to you are up. the first. All right, I'm a little one. tipsy now, so oh, <sighs> bring it, bring it. We're, 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 yeah, this, we're, we're, we're all a few beers <laughs> down at the moment. So um, this is the, you are the first person to receive the speed round, the 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 box to box speed round, which we hope to. Oh, every it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen every it's year. So happen. these are gonna be a set uh, set of questions here. We've got. Uh, and just gut instinct, whatever comes to your mind. Okay, first. so we're ready? Are you, what doing, is, are, you, are you in all of them? You do, do, do all of them. We're gonna do, no, 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 you say them all. I'm just going to watch reactions. I'm smiling really one. big right now. <laughs> so, the, um, all right. Go for it. Ready? Here we go. Number one. What is the least sexy instrument? God. Bassoon. <laughs> all right, number two. Number two. What instrument do you wish you played? Cello. Yes. Oh, Number three. Good call. I, I'm the same. I wish I... We all do. Yeah. It's the sexiest of um, If you could arm wrestle any composer, who would it be? And why? Brahms. Why? Because? Because he has a big beard. That beard. Oh, my is God. It it's, oh, it's... Oh, are you kidding? It's the he beard. Is, well, he no, is, no, I know, he's the I, lumberjack of composers. I know yes. he had a beard, but just... Okay, know, everyone, but Google, everyone Google... Everyone Google... He's the mainer of composers. He's the mainer of composers. <laughs> he needs a plaid shirt, exactly. some bean boots, and... Duck, be yeah, duck boots. All right, number four. All right, what is the most badass piece of music you've ever heard? Uh, Rite of Spring. 
by Stravinsky. Okay, <laughs> look it up. Go yeah. online and look it's, it up. It's awesome. It's so that bassoon. Begins. It's awesome. Oh, cool. What, what five? What instrument? And this is beyond music, but just pure practicality. What instrument do you feel is most suited to wilderness survival? And you can take a moment to think about it. Uh, most suited for wilderness <laughs> survival. I think everything yep. from like rainfall collection to oh, you know you can to, to, like, to, to firewood hunting, to take French, French horn. French horn. For all you oh. French horn players out there, I'm sorry. All right, no, <laughs> and uh, finally, finally, number six. This, this is the big one. There um, we go. What Muppet do you think best describes you, or represents you? Oh. Don't don't get too like introspective about this one, okay? Uh, Elmo, that's not a Muppet. That's, oh, that's it's a kind of, it's Jim I mean, it's Jim Henson. Henson. It's not a, it's Jim Henson. Are you are you, do you like are you too, I, are you too I can much? Re- or I, you, I can relate to you know that I, I you know honestly I never really watched the Muppets growing up. All right, so your homework for this week <laughs> yeah. is to watch a Muppet episode <laughs> or movie. It was week. Elmo that got me into playing violin. Is it why? Elmo was on Sesame Street playing with Itzhak Perlman, mm. and I told mom and dad that I wanted to play violin, and they said, <laughs> right, whatever. Uh, and then I was I was still asking a month later, so they thought, okay, maybe there's something in this, so they, they tracked down um, uh, Ann Posner. It's just that voice I can't, I can't handle. Well, oh, Emma? it's Emma not the voice. voice. Or your voice. One it's, of the two. It's, it's, it's fine. It's the spirit about caring for everyone. <laughs> that was so... I was so zen of you. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna definitely gonna be this like the what's the show on and SNL where they talk like. Uh, well, it's the parody of, of NPR, the NPR, exact thing yeah. we're trying to be the opposite of. <laughs> so yeah, so it, just to you know to recap, we the reason this show came about uh, and and hopefully will continue is because you know we have spent years probably you or your parents or all of us have spent years listening to radio DJs. <laughs> on classical music stations come off of the back of some amazingly a powerful emotional piece and it'll end on this incredible sweeping strong note and the DJ will come back in saying and that was Beethoven's second symphony and and we're all sitting there going you gotta be kidding me you know there's gotta be some sort of emotion behind it so that's where this whole idea came from is the idea that we, we can we can we can appreciate the um, the power and the the um, the emotion yeah. that, that that goes behind all this music, and I do have to give a shout out though to Suzanne Nance, who was originally mm-hmm. was was the person that got me lit, like on the radio listening to classical music. She is the she's coolest amazing. classical music DJ that's ever been around. She's she's just awesome. So thank you, Suzanne. Hey, but, Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne. <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, um, but. Again, so thank you to Norman for being no, here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Enjoyed if you, it. Thanks if you for want me, information about Norman, the Portland Symphony, um, about the Shipyard Beers, Pumpkinhead, and Little Horror of Hops. H O O R. Those yeah, the extra O R is really important. Um, or, or anything about our podcast, you can check it out on uh, BachtoBach.com. That's B A C H T O B O C K com. Uh, if you all haven't gotten the the, uh, the 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 pun there, then yeah, it's well, Bach was reading. a composer. 
Bach is a beer. Um, two is a word in between those two. Oh, Bach is a beer. I didn't know. I was just like, oh, oh no, why Bach, is it B-O-C-K? That's, that's a type of beer. There you go. Fun <laughs> okay. fact. Fun learning fact for All you right, There we go. Um, uh, but we want to thank you guys for listening. We want to thank Norman. We want to thank the Halo Studio. Yeah, um, big shout out to the Halo. For having us do our first episode here, our inaugural premiere episode. This is so awesome to get started finally. Um and uh, and listen to us every other week. We're going to be releasing on every other Tuesday uh, from here until the end of time. So perfect. Um, follow us buckbuck.com or um, on social media. Social media, yeah. which uh, you know, if you have a mobile device, you can follow via Facebook, Instagram, the Instagram, the Instagram, the or, Instagram. Or, or the Twitter, or, or the Twitter, the Twitter. Um, anyway, anyway. So this is Bach to Bach. Cheers. Cheers, guys. And everybody, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Halloween. Leave. Woo! Woo!